Welcome to Flip It or Skip It, brought to you by WorthPoint, the world's largest antiques and collectibles pricing and research database. Buy right, sell right, and profit more with WorthPoint. Now, let's meet our hosts. Hi, I'm Dana Crawford. And I'm Wayne Jordan. In today's episode number 75 of Flip It or Skip It, we're going to be talking about pinback buttons. Pinback buttons. Oh, what a long, strange trip it has been with pinback buttons. Yes. They were everywhere, but you know, you can almost track social change and engagement over my lifetime, which is 10 or 12 years at least, right? <laughs> Just by lining up. Pinback buttons. Mm-hmm. They're just, they're, they make a statement and people like them for that. Also, they are relatively inexpensive to buy. And sometimes you, you strike gold because most people at garage sales and estate sales, that kind of thing, haven't a clue what they're worth. Yeah. And they just kind of throw them in a box and you can pick up an entire box for $2, $5. Yeah. They're relatively cheap. Tell me about your experience with pinback buttons. Have you sold them? Do you collect? Oh, wait. I'm not going to ask you if you collect them because I know you made <laughs> it perfectly clear that you only collect dust and eBay memorabilia. Yep. And now Art Deco lamps. Oh, and now Art Deco lamps. Yeah. For as long as it, one of these days you'll sit around and you'll look at that lamp and you, you'll say, I wonder what I could get for that. You'll look it up and it'll be gone the next week. That's right. But your dust is here to stay. It is. (laughs) Oh, funny. Um, Yeah, I've had a lot of pinbacks over the years, for sure. And I know when I was in high school, I collected a few. I liked to, um, I had a a brand new, uh, for my 16th birthday, I got a Vega for my dad. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And brand new right out of the showroom. And um, had three miles on it. And I collected pins and I put them on the ceiling of the Vega. Mm-hmm. Right. That's good for your liner. Yeah, it was. <laughs> was it definitely damaged. But I, I was into the doors and um, Van Halen, those kind of um, pins. That's mm-hmm. what I collected. Unfortunately, right. I didn't keep them. But the doors pins i run into i swear at every every um treasure hunt i go on i'll run i'll i'll find a doors pin and they made too many of them obviously but there is interesting pins i will dig through them at the when i'm treasure hunting i always look through them i'll you know take a quick look through because i've learned from People sending me, I have my client in Canada that sent me a box of pins that were everything from political, Canadian political pins to Canadian advertising and also anti-war. And they were from, her mother went to Berkeley and was Mm -hmm. in a lot of the protests. Right. So we're talking about mid-60s. When you say war, you mean the Vietnamese war. 
That's right. Anti-Vietnam. Right. And so they were very limited because those groups of people would, would all make these pins and then everybody would wear them as they were protesting. Right. And I did, I think the most I got for one was $80 mm-hmm. and on down to about $20, $20. Right. And I know I sold one for about $40 and I couldn't find it. <sighs> and I was so upset. I searched everywhere. I just couldn't find it. And I had to give the guy his money back. And I said, I'm so sorry. You know, if I find it, I'll let you know. And that was the end of it. And then um, about a year later or more, I found it under my microwave. And I don't know how that happened. (laughs) Really? You know, that little spot under your microwave? (laughs) Of course, you know, you could have lost it. Right in the middle of your stove, right? Because you swear you never use it. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know how that happened. Did you get dinged by eBay for that? I did. Yes. That's a definite ding when you when you can't find something and you have to admit it. And I and it happens, you know, it, it happens, but yeah. it's unfortunate. But luckily, um, I have that pin again. <laughs> And I I am gonna relist it because I the guy's long gone. I have no clue. Right. So I will get that relisted. But it is very challenging because as like so many things, the prices have drastically changed. It used to be you could get a pin, like a political pin, for example, and it would flicker. You know, you'd turn it sideways back and forth. And it would, he'd make a face one way and make a face the other way. I could spin the hat. They had him with Nixon or Kennedy. One of those two-faced politicians. <laughs> those two. Don't know which one. <laughs> so, but they have gone down in value, those flicker pins. And you'd think they'd be worth more. They've all go, gone down in value. I was looking around on WorthPoint and eBay just to get a feel for where the prices were going. And I found a set. It was sold uh, in 2008, in June. And it was eight Marvel Mania pins from 1969. And the Incredible Hulk and Spider-Man oh, and yeah. the, usual, the usual Marvel group. It sold for $4,000 wow. in 2008. Now, I looked this morning at sold items on eBay, and there is a set of five 1969 Marvel Mania pins that sold for $1,000. So it's gone from $500 a pin on average, if you look at it that way, down to $200. So it's a significant drop just in the past, what, from 2008, six years? Wow, that's interesting. Also, the um, Hard Rock Cafe used to be really super popular. And, you know, you would want to get Hard Rock Cafe pins anytime you traveled. And I know I used to pick them up, but I would flip them right away. And now the Hard Rock Cafe, even compared to the Disney pins, it just depends if they're where how many were made, if they're still desirable, if they're a limited edition. 
But there are hardcore collectors still on the Hard Rock and the Disney pins. Right. Well, it's a pretty active marketplace. And if you look through the listings and look through the uh, Worth Point archives, the ones that are selling for the most money are those that are uh, rare uh, and in good condition and like you, as you mentioned, very desirable. So those three things together will almost always indicate a pin that's going to bring you a good return. Older pins, especially uh, political pins and social issue pins like, um, you know, women's suffrage and uh, anti-drinking, that, that sort of thing, those will still bring some money. If they're in good condition, it's important, it's critical on pins that they're in good condition. Uh, Ted Hake, who is probably the, the foremost pinback button auctioneer in the, in the country, says that any visible stain on a pin reduces the price by 50%. Wow. Visible crack by 75%. So it's important then when you see something that it's in, if you pick something up and it looks stained or cracked or scratched, if your impression is that you really like that pen and it's just so cool and has historical value or value to you personally, then buy it, but don't pay a lot for it. Pens with those kind of problems don't bring a lot of money. Uh-huh. And of course, when Mr. Hake says that it cuts the value by 50%, he's probably referring to one of one of his books. He's got several on collecting these pins. And but like any price guides, they're talking about items that are in pristine condition, mint uh-huh. condition items, best examples. And of course, any variation from best example is gonna affect the value. And there are no grading companies oh right for these pens so not you yet. can't get them yeah not yet so you kind of you just have to have a good database and spend some time researching sure okay dana well this is a good spot to pause for a word from our sponsors so let's do that and we'll be right back worth point helps you make more money by ensuring that every sale brings the profit it should we take the guesswork out of how much to pay and how high to price. The WorthPoint Price Guide lists over 500 million items, sold for prices, and photographs. 15 years of antiques and collectibles data. Put simply, WorthPoint helps you make more money. For a 7-day, seven 7-look-up seven free trial, go to worthpoint.com. Okay, we're back. Yours truly, Wayne Jordan and Dana Crawford, and we're talking about pinback buttons. Let's pick up where we left off. Yeah, the last uh, treasure hunt that I was on, um, we went to Brimfield, and I ran across a pin that was uh, Rick Springfield. And I looked it up real quick, and Rick Springfield was selling like $8, $10. But um, I paid $3 for the pin, and you know, no profit there. However, I have several pieces of memorabilia from the Rick Springfield fan club that is from my personal collection because I was a fan back in the day. So my idea was grab this pin so that I can add it 
to hopefully bring up the value of my collection from Rick Springfield Fan Club. So you're a Rick Springfield fan, huh? Yes, I loved, um, you know, when I was a young child, um, Rick Springfield and David Cassidy were the two posters on my wall. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Grade school, you know. I My first experience with pinback buttons was 1960. I was in the sixth grade, and that was during the presidential election between Kennedy and Nixon. And you could see clearly the division in the class because uh, some were wearing Kennedy pins and others were wearing Nixon pins. Wow. But I never hung on to the ones that I had then. Yeah, you couldn't do that in school now. That would never work. <laughs> or, or any other kind of pin almost. Speaking, yeah. speaking of school, in high school, I had a girlfriend. We were steady for a while. We went to a couple of proms together. And she used to wear this big old pin that read, if it feels good, do it. Oh, yeah. And you know, eventually we broke up because I threatened to sue her for false advertising. Huh? <laughs> you could have got tips from Johnny Depp on Who that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so. Maybe so. Oh, funny. Well... Again, like we talk about so many times in other episodes about the box lot, I actually had a box lot of pins on that were worthless individual, put them in a box lot, and I had them on eBay for quite probably a year. And um, everybody knows that listens, knows I hate inventory, and I don't like having things on that long. So I dropped the price and dropped the price. Well, I am actually in the middle of organizing um, an auction that I'm putting together with the website called Max Sold. Right. And so Max Sold, uh, it's going to be my first auction. And so I'm cataloging all of my items and I'm taking a look. I'm evaluating my eBay listings that have not been selling and why not pull them off and then put it on uh Max sold. So that's what I'm doing. And it's a learning curve because it's a new, a new platform for me. However, what I like about it is all their auctions start at 99 cents. There's mm -hmm. no, there's no, uh, and there's no reserves. So everything you, you go with max sold is 99 cents and you schedule the pickup time. So and the people would come to your house or wherever you have all of your merchandise. You could put it in a warehouse. And the CEO at WorthPoint, he actually has been using them for a while now. And it's been helping him a great deal liquidate his humongous warehouse full of goodies, treasures. So it's been helping him liquidate quickly because they're 10-day auctions. And I just love the concept. So mm -hmm. I personally wanted to give it a try. And I also wanted to get rid of some inventory. So right. I'll keep you updated on what happens with that. But what I'm getting at is I took that box lot, there's 180 pinbacks. Mm -hmm. And most of them are Canadian advertising from mom and pop type shops in Canada. Remember back in the day, everybody, when pins became so popular, everybody was buying the, the kits. You could buy the kit right. to make your own pins. 
and everybody was doing it. You could make, you know, a pin with the peace signs. And I know I got involved with it for a little while um, when I was a Girl Scout leader and the Girl Scouts would make pins for the troops or, you know, the camp that were going on. And we would, you know, have pins made and you could make them pretty inexpensively. Right. So that's another thing to, I feel like I'm jumping all over the place, but to back up, because now I'm remembering the importance of the logo that's very tiny inside the lip of the pin. Right. So if you if you turn the pin over and you look inside the lip, like the anti-Vietnam, the anti-war pins had a certain stamp on them, and that would authenticate them coming from that that age. The more modern pins, the ones that just um, anybody like you or me could make from a kit, didn't have those special, those special um, stamps within the the lip. So that's something else to keep in mind on your pins. Right. Just thought of that. But the pins that I'm getting ready to put in, um, well, actually, I've already listed them to go on auction. So I'll let you know how it goes. They're going to start at 99 cents. I don't know if people in, in Punta Gorda, Florida are going to be interested in them because <laughs> they're mostly right. from Canada. But the, it's the one thing about Max sold is it's mostly local. So it's right. not worldwide shipping kind of thing. So would you say it's an online platform, but it's local pickup? Yes. It's local pickup. Now you can offer shipping if you want, but you don't, you know, you don't have to. Right. I'd be curious to see what those those results are. Yeah, I'll keep you posted. I've I've you want to have at least fifty to a hundred items right. ready to do an auction like this. And right. I'm I'm at twenty five right now, so I got a ways to go. Right. Cool. So on the back of the pins, they are um the older ones, they get like a different tint to them and it's a type of oxidation. You want to look for rust, but it's different than rust. Oxidation is like, oh, okay, it's okay. But rust, of course, is not okay. Well, the thing about pins is no one gives them a second thought. They wear them when their cause is popular, and then people will take them off and they'll throw them in a drawer, throw them in a box. True. Even people that are going out collecting them. They won't necessarily take care of them very well. Pins have been made differently over the years. Our early pins ha- were almost just buttons, but we're talking about the pin backs, the kind with the needle in it. That's right. That you, you know, you stick through and you stab yourself in the chest and <laughs> swear once or twice and until your wife comes over and does it for you. And those metal backs will scratch the front of the pen. And if the pen is, has a celluloid cover and it gets scratched, water will get under there, mm-hmm. our moisture will get under there, and it will start to lift and it will discolor. If it's some of those early ones were made of had textile coverings with printing or, or painting on the textile, there's just lots of different ways to, to make them, but they get scratched mm-hmm. and they get stained ones that were paper lithographed paper printed paper the printing would get scratched and it would start to to peel off so condition is absolutely imperative and collectors want things in good condition right unless it's really rare Mm -hmm. uh, in which case they may put up with a little bit of 
browning or foxing or you know minor scratch or something like that. But all those things are going to affect the price. So sure, and fade. Right. And fading. Absolutely fading. Light from any source will fade them. Sunlight is particularly brutal Yeah, if you're talking about reds. Even on the artwork you have in your house, and if you've got watercolors or oils or, or anything like that, if you don't have, well, of course, anything on canvas, you don't put glass on it. If you've got a print, if you don't have UV-resistant plexiglass on it, which is the best thing to have for prints, then you run the risk of it fading quickly. Yeah. And I've noticed that when um, I'm treasure hunting and some of those dealers, they'll have um, a tray and they'll have all their pins and mixed up with little knickknacks or little tiny um, charms or, you know, little things. And you have to kind of run your fingers through to look at everything. And I've told them, you know, they shouldn't have these sitting out in the sun because the pins will definitely fade, so the, so they shouldn't have those sitting out in the sun like that. Oh, and crack, too. If you have a plastic, if you have a plastic covering and you have a metal, back, uh, metal backing, the plastic and the metal expand and contract at different rates, and that causes the plastic cover to crack. That's the same reason you get potholes and roads, is different expansion and contraction rates. So you have to look for that, too. Yeah, and then some of them are... The earlier ones, there are celluloid types, and they actually will say that on on that little lip inside the fold. Right. Yeah, celluloid is an interesting product, and I, I wouldn't hesitate to collect celluloid pin bags. Mm. Yeah, celluloid film is a fire hazard. Okay. But uh, <laughs> I wouldn't worry too much about the, the pin bags. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So bottom line, I would definitely come to a stop and look through the pile of pins and then make the decision of either to offer them a price on the whole thing and then sort them out when you get home and again, box lot them or individually look them up just like so many things, but it's the way you have to do it if you want to see if you can make the most profit. Good tips for flipping. Absolutely. Okay, Dana, it's that time again. I'm looking at my pin back clock on the wall that says, if it feels good, do it. And <laughs> it is time to do it and close this episode. There you go. That's right. So it's been real. I'll see you next week. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Flip It or Skip It, brought to you by WorthPoint.com, the world's largest antiques and collectibles pricing and research database. Buy right, sell right, and profit more with WorthPoint. WorthPoint.